Hello, you're listening to Living Alone Together. I am your only host, Yan. So today you're listening to my second book talk,、um, and the book I'll be talking about today is *The Good Enough Life* by Avram Alpert. He is a lecturer in the writing program at Princeton University, and the book is published by Princeton University Press in 2022. Um, so a little bit about the、uh, style and format of the book.、Um, it is academic, as in you've got sixty pages of bibliography and notes, and、uh, I would say about half of the sources are、um, academic. But the author also cites a bunch of internet articles that anyone could access right now, and. I think that's a good thing. It makes the style fairly、um, fairly easy to access.、Um, it's not as convoluted as some academic books are,、um, and I think it's just well written.、Um, after all, he is part of the writing program. <laughs>、um, But of course, there are gonna be some technical terms, and、uh, he explains all of these pretty, pretty well in layman terms. So, so that's I think just about anyone could、um, read this book without any trouble. So that's about it. And、um, the category of the book, I would say, it belongs to philosophy because he talks about Buddhism. He talks about African American philosophy. There is a whole chunk on virtue ethics, so that's also part of philosophy. But I would say that.、Um, If anything, it's it's more、um, a an advice on politics, and it's really about well public life, and、um, so it's not so esoteric as some <laughs> philosophy books.、Um, so that's that's that that's for the、uh, content of the book. Now let me talk about sort of why I wanted to read this book and how I got here. <laughs> The second part is easy. I got here because、um, I was just at an international book fair earlier this year in January, and I just stumbled upon this book. So it was a complete accident. I wasn't really actively searching for、uh, this co- this concept.、Um, to be fair, I mean to be honest, I think this is a new concept that I've never thought about before, but. I would also say that I could finish the book, this book, because it resonates with me a lot.、Um, I've been feeling quite frustrated by, well, just by myself, and I've been disappointed by myself. I've been thinking that I could have done a lot better、um, in life,、um, and yet I'm just not. Really going anywhere? It seems so. That's a general feeling I've been having for a lot of years, and、um, there's no concept that could really pinpoint the the problem or that could that could help me think about the source of this this anxiety and the source of this problem. And I, it's not just me. A lot of my friends, they are just not happy、uh, with life, and、um, it's mostly psychological, as in. Yes, there are. They could do better economically speaking, but I think a lot of them are just not happy with、uh, what they're doing at their jobs,、um, how they are perceived in the society, and that、um, it seems to them that they could live a more perfect life. And a lot of us go through the same stress.、Um, Of thinking that well, if I excelled or I did pretty well at school, why is it that I am still sort of、um, feeling a little bit lost and I'm not really getting、um, what it seems to be available to most other people when they were our age, but about a hundred years ago, right? So, 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 so that's the general sentiment that I'm having. Um, and that my friends are having, and there's no real term that could、um, explain this feeling or explain this phenomenon.、Um, but the author、um, gave it a term, which is that we are all aiming too much for 
well, we're only aiming too much. We are all aiming for greatness、um, and perfection, and it's just it's just quite on point. Although,、um, yes, I'll have to talk about what he means by greatness. But、um, I think, well, he thinks that、um, this idea that only greatness is good <laughs> is quite hurtful、um, to the individuals, but also to the society as a whole. And instead of aiming for greatness or perfection, we could all just aim for a good enough life or good enoughness.、Um, And okay, so you're gonna think that that sounds pretty vague. Doesn't mean that I shouldn't be trying as best as I could.、Um, doesn't mean that I should just give up on my, let's say, on my on my dreams or my hopes or if they still exist, <laughs> right? You might be asking that, and of course, that's a natural response. So he tries to. Uh, well, the whole point of the book is to define the term,、uh, really. Good enough and greatness. So these are two contrasting terms, and he's just trying to define what he really means by the good enough life. And、um, in particular, he's trying to say that good enough doesn't really mean、uh, minimal or、um, minimalistic or、um, not aiming for anything. It's nothing like that. It's also not nihilism.、Um, so. We'll have to read the whole book <laughs> to really get a better sense of what he means by good enoughness.、Um, he also writes about、uh, greatness, which is what we should not be aiming for. So that's the the gist of the book. And he's trying to define these terms, and he's trying to promote、uh, an, an ideal、um, ideal life for everyone. So it's a bit a of a theoretical proposal. And it's not really, let's say, a book on economics. It's not really using data or current、uh, politics to talk about to project the future. It's not this kind of book. That's why I would say it's still a philosophy book,、um, but it is incorporating a bunch of current phenomena and just the general. Sentiment、um, that he gets, that he observes, and he's trying to analyze the situations.、Um, so it's not completely detached as a、uh, typical philosophy book could be, but it's also not,、um, let's say, based on statistics.、Um, of course, there there are some, but that's not the main point of the book. He's just trying to give a reasonable proposal to solve the general. Unhappiness that's going on、um, that he thinks is based on our aiming for greatness. All right, so that's the central premise. We should、um, the pursuit of greatness could be quite toxic, and it's better that everyone has a good enough life instead of a selective few,、um, like a selective bunch of elites having、um, a great life, and everyone else just sucks. Right. So that's the central premise. Um, and、uh, it is also a little bit of a critique of meritocracy as it exists in today's form. So、um, he really he talks a lot about、uh, Michael Sandel's book,、um, "The Tyranny of、um, Meritocracy,"、uh, which is just that the a critique of、um, the. Current system of meritocracy,、um, and on that note, there is a book that's also a critique of merit-、uh, meritocracy, which is not mentioned in this book. I believe it's called the Aristocracy of Talent. That one is written by a historian, and it's not so much a proposal on how we should pr- proceed as it is. A history historical survey. So it really is about how meritocracy came about and why is it that it looks like、um, today's form.、Um, and so it traces the history of meritocracy.、Um, so I really like that book as well.、Um, but it's not for today. So today we're just going to talk about the good enoughness that、um, the author is trying to promote. So before we could talk about good enoughness, we have to talk about、um, our collective pursuit of greatness. 
um, and uh, he he didn't give a precise. I think he didn't give a precise definition, but there's a rough sketch of what he means by greatness in the in the introduction. So he says that um, to be part of um, the great is really to be part of the elite. And um, let me quote the book. He says that quote when we live in a world where some have too much and many have too little there is um, tremendous pressure to either rise to the top or sink to the bottom and in such a world we will feel anxious at our prospects um, depressed at our situation alienated alienated from our fellow um, competitors and unconcerned with how uh, we damage the environment if doing so feels like the only way to stay alive, unquote. Um, so, yes, you get the gist of what he means by greatness. It really refers to the very best in the society or the elite few that um, take everyone's attention. Um, and and it's really the, the elite few who... Um, have all the resources on on earth but i think apart from that i think he cannot really define greatness because it's it's an overall uh, it's an overarching phenomenon where it's not just referring to the people it's also referring to the uh, while striving for um, for the top right um, trying to hoard all the resources that you could and try to and and in in implied in his definition is the idea that in the process of becoming great you um there is um you could say malice in the process where you sort of intentionally ignore how you are um damaging the environment and maybe taking away from other people and um, just in order to become great. So I think that's what the precise definition of greatness really means. And um, in, in other words, he's not saying that it is not good to have people who are so talented and um, have so much resources, so much resource, so many resources. But um, the point that he is trying to say is that in the process of raising these people or in the process of finding these people or discovering these people, uh, we often ignore the um, stress and anxiety that the majority have to go through uh, thinking that they should also become so great. And so it is the imbalance of, of power, imbalance of um, resource distribution that he is really referring to when he's talking about greatness. So, of course, um, he's not just going against the idea of excellence, the idea of doing things well in, in, in itself, but really um, I, he's against the process, the current process that uh, one must go through in order to rise to the top. Um, so that's that's my summary of it, and he actually gives some example of people who are part of the great, uh, Tony Morrison, Albert Einstein, Frida Kahlo's, uh, LeBron James. So these are some people whom he considered to be great. All right, um, and he says that. Okay, so this is this is interesting. He says that. Um, we are, well, human beings have been aiming for greatness for, for a long time. And we, um, this aiming for greatness actually stems from the desire to be extra prepared for accidents and um, just random and random tragedies happening in, in our lives. Um, and he, he coined it um, neurotic aspiration. <laughs> so this is something I've never thought about, but he says that we, um, this whole thing for 
um, aiming for greatness started because we didn't want to to lose to nature. We didn't want to. Uh, we want to be prepared when any disaster happened, and we want to feel that we could overcome any tragedy, overcome any accident that would um, that would fall. And he said, "This is why um, aiming for greatness became the the norm." Um, and let me quote the book as well: um, "To become great is to uh, to feel justified in being spared from suffering." Um, some real uh, portion of life's calamities because you're um, improving life for everyone all of your rewards are justified unquote because sorry my writing my handwriting is just unlegible and I had to stop double check so I hope that was clear basically Yes, so he said this is the source of aiming for greatness. It's saying that, well, if you're one of the superpowers, like I guess Albert Einstein was, um, if you're one of the extra talented people and you are you amass the most resources um, due to your talents, um, this is all justified because you're disproportionately high let's say, cognitive prowess uh, would help you save humanity. You are doing the most work um, that... You're doing uh, more work than, than any other, other person in the same field, um, and therefore it is justified for you, let's say, Albert Einstein, to get um, the most resource um, in, in the world. It's all justified. And a lot of times... These um, great people, they are their contribution to the society has to do with uh, being the savior, being the hero, or someone like that. And everything's justified because we used to live in a world where um, perhaps we did require the help or the leadership of the selective few, right? And so this is what he believes to be the history or the root cause of. Uh, feeling justified to provide for the selective few, yeah, to 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 give all the resources for the um to the selective few. All right, so that's his definition of greatness. It's um those who are elite, those who have a lot of um extra extraordinary ability. We we could even say, and as a result of their extraordinary ability they are also those who have the most uh, resources at hand and in a way as i said i think greatness for him is not just what it literally means it's also uh, referring to the process of well inherently um sort of unjust process where because these people are um doing so much for their societies uh they could well they deserve to get such uh disproportionately high rewards and um because ultimately anyone who is in that position could do more for humanity uh we should all aim to become great and uh at co- maybe at the cost of um, damaging our environment, damaging others, and all that. So, so the concept is a sort of um, multiplex con- concept. Is that even a word? Basically, it's not just about being very good at something. It's about um, ri- the process of rising to the top, and the fact that everyone um, seems to be right trying to rise to the top and so it's it's it describes the the phenomenon it's not just about the people or the quality of these people all right so that's about that's uh greatness and then obviously his um central premise is to to advocate for um well the opposite of greatness which is good enoughness all right um (laughs) um so some of the words that he associates with good enoughness, um, actually he breaks it down to two to two parts: good and enough. 
right? So good. Uh, the examples、um, he gives are decency, meaning, and dignity. And for enough, he ties it to. Well, he uses some examples、uh, like high quality food, high quality clothing, shelter, medical care.、Um, and so, very importantly, he says that good enough doesn't mean. Um, just having a bare minimum.、Um, he he he's really saying that to be good enough is not just having a simplistic way of life or a minimalistic way of life or even just having the bare minimum、uh, life. He's trying to promote、uh, good enoughness for everyone and also. Um, what he means is that we should all have high quality food, shelter, clothing, medical care, etc.、Uh, that's a bit vague、uh, for now, but let's just leave it like as that for now. And we're gonna see、uh, what he really means by this later. All right. So,、um, so the idea of good enoughness, like. The idea of greatness is not just a quality; it's really、um, a social scheme, if you will. He doesn't use the word that that's that's my word. That's my term for it. But so, as I said, greatness really refers to the social phenomenon where a few could rise to the top, and in the process,、um, while、well, by promoting greatness.、Um, The human race collectively would destroy a lot of things, and would create a lot of extra stress and anxiety. Okay, so that's the whole process of greatness. So similarly, good enoughness involves not just a few people, or、uh, it's not just a quality of people. It really is saying that we should try to maximize everyone's capacity so that. We could deal with、um, whatever imperfection there is collectively, right? So again, good enoughness is not just a property or a quality、um, of the society. It's really, I I think it's normative. As in, he he hopes that we could we could、um, all. Work together and deal with things together, and not just rely on a heroic few to to help solve our problems and to be、um, to be the、uh, creators of the most important things、um, that we use. Rather, he wants a society where everyone could contribute、um, a little bit and to work to solve、um, the problems together. Something like that. All right. So、um, I am going to quote him <laughs> to, to, for this quote. It is about all of us working together to imagine,、um, develop, and participate in a world in which we all have decency and sufficiency. Unquote. All right. So that's his definition for good enoughness. So, so, so,、um, good enoughness and greatness—they are both not、um, simplistic terms to describe a bunch of people. They are really about. I think they are both normative. They are.、Um, there is、uh, a part of malice implied in greatness, and there is. Um, desirability implied in good enoughness, so it's not just a. They're just not. They're not neutral terms, right?、Um, rather,、um, by greatness, he、uh, there there is this component of、um, you know having extra stress and anxiety because you want to be great. Okay, so that's implied in the term greatness, and in in good enoughness, I think there's also、um, a an idea of. High quality, decent life in it. Okay, so so the definitions are not their literal meanings that you would think of when you just read the words. Okay, so he he's giving this this extra layer of meaning、um, to the words. All right, and、um, so the book then actually、um, has four parts.、Um, It, so he goes into how we could achieve. Well, he well he goes into the good enough life in,、uh, well in four parts of our in our、um, of our lives. The first part is ourselves.、Um, so how we should 
just focus on the individual and and just look at how individuals could aim for good enoughness uh, thinking about their own lives right the second chapter is on um, relationships and so this one is kind of interesting because um, <laughs> I thought I wouldn't be able to talk about the whole book uh, and I probably won't uh, go into this chapter but I do remember that he was talking about he was talking about marriages in in this chapter he was saying that uh, it it's probably better to stop looking for the perfect one and just try to find a good enough person. So that's kind of intriguing, isn't it? Um, and then, then there's a third part, which is uh, good enoughness in the world, uh, which is more of a public policy chapter. This one, uh, for me, it is a little bit not as interesting because at this stage in my life I don't have enough energy for that but it's probably going to be interesting if you are um if you like to read about politics and just think about pub- the public life um finally there is a chapter on the planet so this one is uh, roughly on the environment and that and all that um climate change kind of thing so so that's the book and uh let's continue my god i can't believe how exhausting it is to uh, (laughs) to do a book talk and that's why i haven't done this in a long time right okay so let me expand a little bit i believe this is still in the introduction let me expand a little bit uh on his um like where his idea came from so um, roughly speaking, he, is, he says that he is against Aristotelian virtual ethics. Um, and um, let me explain that a little bit. So in Aristotle's philosophy, he um, talks about the idea of um, how we can become, how we can live a happy life and what exactly is happiness. And happiness... Uh, turns out to be related to your character and you it is about how to make the best or the virtuous choice in in your whole life right and so aristotle goes into well the definition of happiness and the definition like he tries to eliminate some of the common conceptions of happiness for example he says that happiness is not just pleasure and all that and so in the end he talks about um he gives a lot of examples in different areas of life um to show that um there is a certain way to deal with the different parts of life that is actually the best way right um and there is um and if you happen if you turn out or actually if you practice enough to make the best choice all the time you could be considered a virtuous so that's a really really rough sketch of what aristotle is saying um so so yeah so virtual ethics is about that it's about recognizing uh what to do in a practical situation and making the right choices and the right choices um will be the ones that are not too extreme for example you know he defines a bunch of virtues like like courage like um uh being being just wise and there are just a bunch of virtues that he's defining or being friendly uh, or being just um so these are all virtues right and um the best way to show that or, or actually the way to be just or the way to be be courageous and um to be all of these things um is to be to be temperate to be moderate with your responses or reactions to life so that's roughly what aristotle is about um and actually uh in this book there is a tiny chart that explains aristotelian ethics uh let me find the chart uh give me one sec all right i found the chart so yeah he does explain aristotle's ethics a little bit so for example in order to to be courageous it means really that you're not 
too timid or too foolhardy, right? In order to be temperate, it means that you are not too insensible nor too self-indulgent. So basically, it means that you gotta have you gotta go for the moderate option um, in in the situation, right? And uh, so that is his really brief introduction to Aristotle. Um, and um, now the point is, the author of this book, The Good Enough Life, he's not against defining virtue this way. Rather, he is against um, saying that um, only a very selective, well-educated few could eventually become virtuous. Um and so that his problem is with this is not exactly with the definition of virtue, but with how really excellence or virtuous uh, or being virtuous, it 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 really is um, something that a very few well very few people could achieve, and they are also probably going to be aristocratic. And they are probably those who are have enough leisure time um, to do a bit of philosophy and all that. So um, basically, he doesn't like this idea that um, it, it it's um, the same as what we've been talking about, right? He doesn't like the fact that um, it's such a high bar to to be considered virtuous, all right? Um, and what else can we say? All right, and it is a high bar to become virtuous in Aristotelian um, ethics because um, you're not considered completely excellent or virtuous just being just by being courageous or just by being just or just by being uh, temperate. You gotta have everything. So if you want to hit everything, it's quite difficult. So that's that, and he's not happy with this. Um, and he also doesn't, um, he doesn't want to, um, sorry, he doesn't like the idea that in virtual ethics, you kind of have to be perfect. Um, and he wants to say that we could just aim for being good enough. And I think he didn't use this example specifically, but I think this translates to something like this. Um, you could just, you know, you could just try to hone your your um, radar for becoming courageous only, and you it's just too difficult to be courageous and just and moderate in everything. Um, rather, it's good enough to to be a quite courageous person. Well, you still need some work on becoming more temperate let's say right so you could <laughs> you could indulge in pleasures well um well you are uh, rightly courageous as in uh, you um have moderate amount of <laughs> um c- courage uh you're not too shy and you're not too foolhardy but um for other aspects, you could display a little bit of flaw. I think the author would agree with me. Um, that's what he means. <laughs> because if you're truly an Aristotelian virtuous person, you would have to be perfect in everything. And I think he wouldn't be happy with this. He would like to, he would say that, all right, if you're courageous, but you are bad in other areas, then you're fine. I don't know. I think this is what the author would say. But the point is just that, um, that he doesn't like the idea that in the process of rising, you have to sacrifice a lot of people's hard work, or rather that only the person who emerges in, by the end of the work, um, well, by definition, gets noticed, right? He wants to say that actually we have to re- recognize that um, the person who gets noticed, yes, obviously he's talented, but um, in the process, he has to rely on a whole system and a whole network of people to support him in order to rise to the top. Um, and then he gives the example of LeBron James, who is obviously a great uh, basketball player um, but um, I think LeBron James probably said told a story about there doesn't like we I don't necessarily need to 
you know, you don't have to consider me great because of my background. Rather, um, it's better if everyone didn't have to go through, didn't have to go through the poverty or um, this. You know, they don't have to have this background to start with, right? Uh, okay, I'm I'm trying. What I'm trying to say, or ra- rather, what the author is trying to say, is just that why do we have to emphasize the um, poor background that LeBron James came from. Rather, uh, it should be better if there is no poverty to start with and there's still LeBron James, right? And also, we also have to know that, yes, he is great, but um, there are so many people who uh, supported him and and um, that maybe these people deserve more recognition than they do as well right so there are two aspects first we should just eliminate the not good enoughness to start with and second we could also recognize the um support network um these um elite few do have all right so that's the idea behind good enoughness um another thing well another thing that's quite interesting um in the concept of good enoughness. And the author um, uh, talks about it in his introduction. Basically, he says that, well, actually, um, the standard for good enoughness or the path to good enoughness is not, um, it's quite diverse. There's no universal one path to good enoughness. There's no universal good enoughness um, to 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 be good enough right <laughs> what am i talking about so basically he's saying that the path to this good enoughness will be diverse there are many ways to make it and um and the reason that he talks about diversity in this um is that well he was thinking that um people are handicapped in different ways to start with so he says he emphasizes that he's speaking as a white cis male and um he recognizes that for people who are um of a different race or different gender it might be they might have different starting points and for these people um he's interviewed a few and um he understands that they do feel an extra urge or the need to be great because in order to be recognized they need to put in extra efforts um to to go to get there so in other words he understands that um the standards are different for different people um and um and yet i think he's still promoting good enoughness as a general concept and um instead of just trying to reach to the very very top we should we could all just try to reach for everyone else having a good enough life so i think the premise doesn't change when it goes when it's about different groups of people but he um, he recognizes that the standard could could change and the path to it could change um and that i find that to be quite important so that's the um that's the central premise and overall the goal for good enoughness is to um to not go so extreme right and uh, maybe to make the world more uh, more inclusive and to um to make it not as elitist as it is right now so that's general goal and now the thing is um i do really appreciate this book because as i said in the beginning i was i was feeling quite anxious and stressed out so uh, a lot and i feel like i haven't quote unquote reach my full potential whatever that means and i do feel frustrated seeing that some of the let's say best people they seem to got everything right um they seem to have everything they seem to get everything and um and i seem to have nothing right in comparison and so of course this is putting a lot of psychological stress and it affects not just me but a bunch of my peers so this is definitely a phenomenon that's happening and um i don't know about you but um it is even the source or the motivation for a lot of my decision making it's not about making people making myself look good 
in the outcome, but rather it's about doing something that has the best chance of success. And the word success itself is quite um, controversial, I would say. But um, currently, the word success is defined in relations to to other people, right? You got to be better than all others in order to be considered successful. You got to rise to the top. You got to make your personal website, whatever it is, to stand out a little bit more. And so that general culture, I and I think both him and and me, we would be against this culture. Um, but um, but then there are a few things that I thought about while reading this book. Uh, well, actually, I didn't think about them. It's just they just happened. So basically, what happened was I was going to my clinic. Uh, I was tre- I was seeing a doctor, and uh, I gotta clarify a little bit. Um, in where I live right now, I live in Taiwan right now, and the clinics are sort of like convenience stores. It's just so easy to just drop into a clinic and often you don't even need to make an appointment beforehand and it's just yeah as simple as that you step into a clinic and then you wait for 10 minutes or so and then you doctor will see you all right so unlike let's say a system in the u.s or in canada where you've got a family doctor and they will be your doctor for maybe a lot of years of your life well the doctors here won't know you unless you actively choose to go to the same place every single time well so the point is um i went to this clinic the other day and i was trying to to describe my my symptoms and i thought for clarity i would add a few english well, the English words for for the medicine I'm taking and for the disease that I think I'm having. Um, And the doctor was totally shocked. Uh, She was like, are you yourself a doctor or or what, right? And so she was, um, and for me, it was just a natural reaction um, to to look things up um, in English because medical terms are in English. And yet for the doctor, it seems to, to her that um, I am unusual, right? Because most people here wouldn't do that, and they they would um they wouldn't include an English phrase. They wouldn't look things up. They would trust the doctor a hundred percent. Um, and so that's something I I was thinking about while I was reading this book. Um, I thought that, and so the doctor after seeing my notes, just completely changed their tone in a really slight way but you could tell that their attitude changed because they perhaps realized that I have a different education as a, uh, a lot the, the average person walking to their clinic um, and um, they would um, they became more a little bit more technical I think than the usual doctor and um, so that's something I think relates to this a little bit I think that doctors are probably trained to to use language that is um most familiar to everyone that they could imagine so in other words of course it's good to you know to not be so technical and not to use the medical terms and just try to explain in a simple way and even just to give out practical advice let's say take this medicine three times a day that's it and unless the patient asked you wouldn't start by explaining what's going on sometimes the doctors would do that they would have a model of the tiny human body and they would go through the thing but obviously they're not going to use medical terms they are going to um talk about the phenomenon or the symptoms in a way that are quite easy to understand in layman's turn and that's of course a good thing except except that um i had a personal experience where i think the doctor did not um tell me enough um but because i was and i just had a few keywords and so i got to understand what was going on in my body through a lot of google research um the doctor didn't even give me talk about the key words they just sort of try to explain it with a timeline and like in really simple terms 
um, they didn't even trans translate the terms for me. They just used the abbreviation and they said, okay, so you're probably right now this is happening and um that's why we're giving you this treatment that's all they said and because and yet because i have the actual term i could look it up online and see what's going on and i feel like there's a lot of information that they could have told me without confusing me and not just because of my ability to read english but also um even if I was someone who didn't understand English, they could have said it in a way that is more informative than just what they did. And um, yet they did not. And I think they prob- this is probably the average um, thing that they would do. I, I think that um, it's probably a combination of their training and their experience. I think most people would accept this, but I wouldn't because uh, I wanted to know more and um, yes of course you, I could have asked but on the spot I was just give I, I it was just a little bit like the vibe was not for me to ask in a way so I don't know it, maybe I should have asked but the point is just that okay so what does this have to do with the good enoughness um well I feel like because the author said that um he wants the world to be more inclusive and I think this is definitely a result of the world trying to be more inclusive right because it's definitely not good if the um, doctors were using medical terms all the time and they give you a whole powerpoint lecture on what's going on all the time that's probably not inclusive but by being more inclusive in my case I feel like I was actually left out um and so so that's what I was thinking I was thinking that um yeah what does it mean to be actually more inclusive it's not exactly the best option there is right I feel like if um clinics or doctors could actually tailor to the individual patients a little bit more that would actually be better but then at the same time that would probably in the long run and collectively speaking it will probably result in some sort of elitist medicine where okay you could choose to 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 see a doctor who will give you the more you know give you more details and maybe even use the medical terms with you but if you want to do that you got to pay more that's it and then obviously that's going to result in uh an undesirable system where those who do have the money and have the education to pay more they would get their private doctors and all that and so you can imagine the consequence of that and obviously that is not more inclusive and that is not everyone having the good enough life right but at the same time um at least I live in a society where um, the medis- medical treatment here is just so good enough that um, it's become so simplified because um, in order to incorporate as many people as possible, the best way, of course, is to do the most simple thing, right? To just tell you the most essential information you need. But I, I think in the case of medicine, this is actually not desirable. It's not like drinking water where it should the standard could be a bit lower and everyone could just simply get the the water because I think um no matter how unique you are, no matter how much variation we have in our bodies, ultimately water is water, right? But I think for medical treatments for going to a doctor um i don't think the bare minimum or the um essential information is actually essential information i think um of course the author of this book would say oh i'm not advocating for the bare minimum but i think um the problem is then it's difficult to really say that um we are all aiming for high quality stuff and this high quality stuff would apply to uh, as many people as possible if you know what I mean so in other words um it just turns out that to be the most inclusive in the case of medical treatment you gotta use the most well bare minimum language um and that is definitely not high quality 
explanation of um, your symptoms um, or the medical treatment you're gonna get, right? So I think there is there could be a conflict there where, well, in this specific example, I think that um, you cannot be if you want to have high quality medical treatment. Well, the language the doctor is using cannot be um, that inclusive. Um, there's got to be some individual tailoring or you got to raise the general population's education um, to a higher standard so that by, uh, well, uh, ideally the most inclusive language would also uh, be better than the bare minimum language, right? So that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like I feel like that's, that's a, um, an example where for now, it is definitely not the case where um, the most inclusive is better than the bare minimum, right? Um, and that's just one area. Another area that I was thinking about was diet. So in the previous episode, I was talking about the personal trainer thing and where my friends are trying to aim for this better diets um, and they would you know they would do a lot of research on nutrition and how much carbs they should have be having and all that and as much you know if you spend a lot of time online and you do take a lot of time to go over the resources and watch the youtube videos and try to research um what's the best uh, foods to have you would have um you would uh, find it very difficult to live if you're going to eat outside and you pretty much have to prepare all the foods by yourself. And not just that, you're going to have to live a very expensive life because, well, proteins cost more than carbohydrates, right? And um, that's another example where, um, where... Well, the markets are going to determine what's available out there, right? Though most most people, um, if you walk outside of your room, if you you know talk to real people, if you look at what people are doing, and if you're wondering why um, there are just so many unhealthy snacks still in convenience stores and why the most readily available food out there are still what a lot of people consider toxic uh, carbohydrates, it's because that's the most inclusive thing. It's because that's the most common, biggest denominator where everyone could get on board with. Um, And the majority of the population are not vegan. The majority aren't going to go the keto um, diet. The majority are not going to be counting their calories to the single digit the majority of the people um they don't have time to do that research the majority of the people are gonna eat what you think are unhealthy foods and so these foods are just gonna keep existing in the world without you um you know considering what the elite few like to eat um so what i'm trying to say that here is then that what's going on in the world um mostly it's still determined by markets and markets are determined by the majority um and the majority by definition they are going to mathematically contribute the most to to the average right and so uh in other words there are still going to be a lot of let's say unhealthy foods that are readily available there are still going to be a lot of ugly things that um you could purchase there's still going to be a lot of bad designs because most people they're not going to aim for the best in everything maybe they care about food but they don't care about um their clothes right or maybe they care about music but they wouldn't care about speaking perfect english or something so so there's always gonna be we all have limited amount of time and we all need to give up uh, on some area in life not give up but it's just we're not gonna care as much right and um the overall result i think is just that well the market is gonna have a bunch of average or below average stuff by this um economics of the majority um where well because you know i could 
let's say there are 10 areas of life and I could only focus on two areas of life and the rest of the areas, the eight of, out of 10, I'm just gonna, you know, I'll aim for the average or I'll aim for good enough, right? And so um, in the end, um, then what exists out there, it's not gonna be just... It's not going to be good enough by uh, by the this author's standard. It's going to be good enough as in mediocre. It's going to be good enough as in really really average because that's just the mathematical mathematically reasonable reasonable outcome where wow the majority of the people are going to accept that. So that's just the market will get away with the bare minimum that they could right they if they could get away with the spare minimum they would continue to do that and if we continue to accept the average stuff then this is what we're gonna again so things are not going to improve um because that's the um limit of our energy so i think that's also a, a little problem i have because i thought obviously that's not what i, f- I feel like it would be better if we would aim for um, better aesthetics. We would aim for better nutrition for everyone. You know, we would eliminate, let's say, sugar over like totally um, in the market or something like that. But of course, then that's not going to be inclusive. That's also not. That's just aiming for perfection um, by the author's standard. And um, I think this is one of the areas where I could promote greatness and perfection because and it's sometimes if you have this spare energy and you walk on the streets and you are trying to get you know if you're trying to shop you realize that there's so few things you can really spend your money on and you got to do a lot of research to get the perfect product and it's very exhausting because the average thing that exists out there by definition is going to be quite mediocre um and maybe well the author would say look yes they're mediocre but they're not good enoughness by my definition um i'm talking about high high quality stuff i think everyone should have high quality stuff i I don't know what the author is going to say about this or about the aesthetics because i don't know if he would say there is a high quality kind of aesthetics and the low quality kind of aesthetics but i'm just talking about let's say fashion brands and clothes and that and stuff like that would he say that there is a good enough standard for these i'm not so sure because he doesn't talk about this maybe this is too small this is not something um he cares about but for me as a as an average citizen it's the thing that affects me every day and i feel like yeah it is good it is it is it is uh livable and uh it's good that everyone could find something in the world but um that they could purchase but because of the multitude of um well the diversity of people um and by the sheer number of others in the world compared to yourself um your options are pretty much limited by well the average people right um and i'm not saying that i'm not average i mean to some other people my taste would be average and uh they they are probably superior superior than than me um but so that would be a problem for everyone it's not just for me right and i think by definition you would prefer the most what you prefer (laughs) that's a tautology but i i'm saying that there is a reason behind your preference and it's not necessarily um that the your preference is of the most high quality but it is your preference because it stems from you you are the cause of your preference right and so by this definition maybe you cannot really pinpoint what counts as high quality design versus low quality design it really is um the number the quantity of people preferring one thing over the other that determines what is um the most available on the market and in that case then it's really not aiming for uh, greatness um and it's really aiming for something tailored to myself and it's not and um by chance it's just easier to encounter something that everyone else wants but not what i want right um because it's this sheer number of everyone else that's gonna 
uh, lead the trends in the world. I don't know if that's a bit too confusing. Um, well, the point is just that um, the market will still exist, right? And uh, market markets will be determined by the masses. Um, and so at least maybe I'm being too optimistic. Maybe you could say that actually the markets are determined by the elite few. Well, that's another argument. But for me, it just seems like, well, by definition, you are going to be the absolute minority. You yourself and what you like, that's going to be quite... Um, it's difficult to always look to, to, to find what you personally prefer all the time because you're the minority and the majority would determine your experience on earth, right? Um, so that's another problem. I feel like, yes, this is in this world, we already accomplished the inclusive, uh, inclusive criterion for good enough life. Um, but I don't think the result is exactly desirable in this area. So that's just my two well, my two examples for um, why I'm, you know, what I have against this model. But I do appreciate the concept that maybe we should not all aim for greatness. Um, and, you know, especially in the, if in the process it sacrifices our mental health and all that. Um, I do recommend this book. I think it's um, very, very relevant to, to our lives today. And it's uh, published quite recently. So... Yeah, take a look at the book yourself. Um, So that's it for today and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.